Welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. I'm your host, Adam Tarno, joined as always by my co-host, John McGee. John, why don't you let the audience know what we have in store today? Yeah, Adam, we just recorded an episode with Todd on how to handle criticism. Yes. And I just, I thought it was excellent. Have you ever been criticized as a leader? <laughs> I've heard of this thing. I mean, yes, uh, we all have. <laughs> it's a very theoretical discussion for and, us, right? uh, Man, I just, you know, I'm at the very end of it, you can probably tell, we both just kind of sat there and like, man... That was helpful. It was great. And uh, so yeah, I don't know if we've ever made a request of, of listeners like this, but I just thought, especially young leaders, I would listen to this one twice yeah. and just make sure you've got a, a death grip on how to handle uh, criticism. Um, I think it will be that helpful. Yeah. And so what we did is for this one in particular, we created a resource to try to help people apply and process and think about this. So in the show notes, there's going to be a PDF as well with a uh, with some scripture that we've covered in this episode, some discussion questions. If you're leading a team, some personal reflection questions, I think it's going to be a great resource. You can check that out. If you don't know where to find the show notes, they're at watermarkresources.com slash CLP. So take a listen to this, and then we'll be back to wrap up with a few other comments. Todd? Welcome back to the studio. It is my pleasure. It's been too long. <laughs> it has been. Always invited. Not always here. Glad you're here uh, today. So, Wag. And for the record, he didn't invite himself in on this one because I think the last couple times. Yeah, I did. I, I caught you guys walking up and I said, I'm coming. Can I? And you were well, sure, I guess. Yeah, then, uh, and this time you actually did. You said, hey, we're going to talk about uh, people that are criticized a lot and you're perfect. Come on. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we, we were, we had, yes. Um, so that's our well, topic. We did want you here, Todd. And <laughs> and, um, and so he, I told Adam this morning that um, when I came to this church, so I came week seven of this church, I walked in. Uh, I had, uh, there was two models of handling criticism that I'd seen. One was um, to cater to every whim, every piece of uh, criticism to almost act like a waiter in a large restaurant and and serve up these, um, you know, custom meals with a little more salt, a little less salt based on everybody's preferences. I'd seen that model. I had seen kind of the tyrant sociopath who didn't listen to any criticism. <laughs> and uh, I was a young man, but I had a sense there was a third way that was probably more Christ-like. And uh, candidly, watching you, brother, was um, was a great example of the thing that I was pretty sure was represented in scripture. And, uh, and so Adam and I want to get what's in your head out uh, yeah. and share with, uh, with leaders. Yeah. So Todd, big softball question just to start off. I mean, how do you think about criticism? Does it, well, first of all, does it ever happen? Do you ever get critiqued <laughs> for anything you ever say? You know what's interesting? I didn't know this for a long time, but um, there's a book, Lectures to My Students, which I wish mm. I could tell you, I've read every word I haven't by Charles Spurgeon, where he um, talked a lot about just the whole role of a pastor's life, I think. And um, you want to be a future leader in ministry? These are things you, you need to know. And he wrote an entire chapter on this topic, mm. which I have read that chapter. Yeah. And um, I think he says, I think the title of the chapter is A Blind Eye and a Deaf Ear, which he mm. is just warning you as you get into ministry that if you listen carefully to everything, right? We always talk about referees that don't do a good job. Yeah. You know, they just got rabbit ears. And I think if you got rabbit ears as a leader, you're not going to be a very effective leader for very long. And I think Spurgeon, that's what he was trying to say. You better not look too closely at everything. In other words, feedback's really, really important, right? Yeah. I mean, I think we've said here in another podcast that great leaders eat feedback for breakfast, Yeah. Mm -hmm. but there's a big difference between flattery, feedback, and criticism. Mm. Okay. The critic is not looking to make you better. They're just trying to maybe make themselves feel better by uh, pointing out little flaws that you have that will make them not feel so bad about the fact that either God's not using them or they haven't disciplined themselves for the purpose of godliness the way you have. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I put it this way. I know I need to excel still more. I know I need to get better. Whatever is true of me 
is I'm not yet glorified. So that means there's some sanctifying work that needs to be done. And um, one of the most valuable things that you can have as a leader are people that give honest feedback. Yeah. One of the things you need to know as a leader is people are going to give heartfelt criticism. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I would say, you know, um, not always from a loving heart. I, I, one of my favorite quotes is, um, there's only two people in the world that can tell you the truth about yourself, right? An enemy that's lost his temper or a friend that loves you dearly. Yeah. And I might add a third. I would just say insecure people that just think that um, being critical of you is a sport or that they come just to evaluate you, and that's their contribution to the kingdom. Yeah. That they can tell you where you're a little bit off of Calvin's Institutes or um, what they would do if they were king. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm kind of just spewing right here, right? Yeah. The response to this first thing. But I always, um, I think about how people receive criticism. One of my favorite quotes was by D.L. Moody when some lady walked up, I think it was a lady or a man, and just said, I don't much like the way you do evangelism. And Moody, <laughs> Moody responded by saying, well, I don't much like the way I do evangelism either. How do you do it? And they said, uh, well, I, I don't really do evangelism. And he said, well, I like my way of doing it more than your way of not doing it. Yeah. Right? So just know this. If you try and do something, someone's going to have an opinion about it. Mm. Uh, be careful that you're not surrounded just by flatterers. And don't get knocked off your uh, road to faithfulness if people tell you that they got a better way to evangelize. Yeah. Right? I always want to say... You know, tell me, tell me what you're doing. Let me learn from it. Yeah. Is it legit or you just want to take shots at me? Do you respond to all criticism? <laughs> let's just, let's narrow this down because that, that, I mean, with social media now, there's so many different ways that people can criticize or give their feedback. Let's just say with emails. So if somebody takes the time to write out an email of something that is um, just a little bit critical, could be they, they, their heart could be, I want to provide uh, constructive feedback, but you know, there's a little bite to it as well, or, or it's just, it's just not flattering. Do you respond to all the emails that you get there? I, I really do try to. Yeah. It's um, amazing. You know, there's going to be a day when maybe that's just unrealistic. Yeah. Um, I'm sure the president of the United States doesn't read all his mail. Right. I'm not the president of the United States. And yeah. so to this point, I'm still able to process a lot of um, the responses I get, or at least um, our office and our team does, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody doesn't need to hear it directly from me, but from us, yeah. right? Because I believe in the plurality of leadership. And so- we do try and respond. Now, listen, I wish I could also tell you that if it's not signed, um, that we don't pay any attention to it. I think it, it's the, 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 my heart aches for people that don't sign feedback because yeah. you can't clear up a misunderstanding hmm. or tell them that they were really helpful. Yeah. Okay. And so I do think you need to put it in a different category um, when people aren't willing to sign things. And, and typically uh, those are a little bit sharper. You yep. know, anonymity doesn't usually... Um, contribute itself towards winsomeness. Yeah. <laughs> right. But um, I, I, I put it this way. I'm not going to tell somebody I don't need to listen because you're not close or I don't need to listen because you said it wrong. Yeah. My job is to listen. All right. A fool does not delight in understanding. Mm-hmm. What I always try and do is just go, okay, spirit, amplify what is true and uh, protect me from the fear of man That's and good. the love of praise. Yeah. And so I, I you know, there's a, so one of the guys I just absolutely should mention. I can remember early on, I got him, Howard Hendricks, who um, influenced so many people. I had the privilege of being around him. Uh, he was a prophet, Dallas Seminary, and um, was just a, a, a great leader himself. Early on, I mean, I was somewhere in my 20s. Uh, we were together, and he just had said to me, Todd, he goes, let me just encourage you with this. He said, if somebody criticizes you, first of all, if you don't like criticism, he said, get out of 
leadership. Yeah. You know, get out of ministry, but leadership and ministry especially. Which has led to one of your one of your key axioms that we hear all the time with leadership, that it's a commitment to being misunderstood. Yeah, it really right? is. Yeah. Leadership is going to be a commitment to being misunderstood. And, and you just got to understand that. And so um, if you're insecure and want everybody to understand everything that you do and why you did what you did, then you're going to just spend all your time trying to convince people. And my job isn't to convince people. My job is to love and serve people. I do think part of... Um, you know, leading effectively is you give people as much information as you can, but there are times you just don't have a chance to process it or people aren't even going to use the resources you give them to process it. They just want to go, ah, I wouldn't have done that. Right. But, but Hendricks just said, Todd, here's what you need to understand. If, if somebody gives you criticism or feedback, but we're we're talking specifically about maybe even the overly critical kind. Right. Right. I think some leaders protect themselves by calling all feedback criticism. Mm, Absolutely. That's not wise. There you go. Okay. Um, I'll insert here before I quote Hendricks, I'll quote David and the Holy spirit. That's a little better. Right. So Psalm 141 verse five says, let the righteous smite me in kindness. Mm. Okay. Uh, Let them approve me. It's oil upon my head. Don't let me refuse it. Mm. All right. Those are verses. That's, that's a verse that I quote to myself all the time. And um, I I think I have to be careful sometimes because that's an unrighteous person or they did an unrighteous way. Okay. Proverbs 15, two says the words of the wise make knowledge acceptable. Right. But the mouths of fools spout folly. And I will say this, the mouths of fools do spout a lot of folly, but sometimes there's a nugget of truth in there. Yes. That it's still my opportunity to learn from. Okay? And I don't want to I don't want to just say to somebody because you said it wrong, there's nothing right in there for me. I think in a loving way I can come back and help them with maybe the way they said it, but even if they never want to take that feedback from me, I I should take what the spirit of God has for me in it. Yep. Okay? So um, last, last Hendricks illusion, right? Uh, well, two, he, he said to me, Todd, if somebody criticizes you, if it's true, change. Okay. And he said, if it's not true, don't even stoop to consider it. Mm. Now, the problem is, how do you know which one it is? Right. And so for me, I do, Adam, I don't just decide that I'm the sole arbiter of that person's feedback. I will share often with close friends, you guys, other leaders, elders, wife, hey, this is the feedback. Yep. And almost always there's some shred of truth that I can learn from and um and and get better. Yeah. Okay. And there are other times I just go, you know what, that I know isn't true. And so I'm not gonna be bothered by it. I you know, one of the things that God has given me um is the ability to sleep in the midst of a lot of criticism, mm. you know, where I probably am uh most uh, careful is when I'm sitting there and and dealing with not criticism but conviction, mm. right? That's it's hard to sleep under conviction than it is under criticism, right? And if you as a leader can't sleep under criticism, then you're not going to lead for long. You're going to be out. And if you don't respond to conviction, yeah, then you're not going to be a mm. very useful leader. It's good. It's really good. Uh, let me make an observation. You can agree or not agree, Todd. Um, personal kind of feedback is about this your be critical no, no okay. not at all okay. <laughs> so it's, I'm, I'm really intrigued here's 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 a pattern i think i've seen in you so uh personal feedback personal criticism hey todd i don't see uh in that in this instance the fruit of the spirit so i'm like you you give a lot of attention to that mm-hmm. someone who's critical of the mission um strategy kind of a core values you tend to anchor uh, a little harder there and go and my, my perception is hey we, we've decided about this as mm-hmm. as elders as a team we feel really, really good. This may, if you don't agree, this might not be the best place, uh, but uh, for you to serve and use your gifts. But if you've got an issue with me personally, you think there's something that doesn't uh, look and smell like the fruits of the spirit. Let's talk about that. Is there a dichotomy there for you? Well, um, 
you know, let me let me say, let me answer it this way. I, I think that I understand why people have questions continually about their leader. So when we talk about leadership, you know, leadership is influence. And I think, you know, we say a lot that the currency of leadership or influence is trust. And the fastest way to build trust is with competency, how you do things. And the fastest way to erode trust is with your character. Mm -hmm. So if I want to lead people and they have a problem with my character, I know that's going to erode trust. And so I do all I can. There are certain people that are going to you know, um, cast dispersions upon you or attribute motive to you um, what, that I'm not going to live to convince them of what I know is true. Um, but at the same time, I want to do all I can maybe to show them some truth that they may not know. All right. I also got to be careful that sometimes people have create problems just to get access. Right. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, it's honestly, good. I mean, you just got to, it, it's all sorting all this out is a little bit um, difficult, but just do the best you can to love people. So one of the things I do is I don't take a lot of meetings. Okay. I stand, you know, when I get done specifically on Sunday, I'll stand there an hour and a half after I'm done communicating to talk to anybody who wants to talk to me about anything. Yeah. Okay. And I can't tell you how many times people come up, well, I really need to get to you together with you. And I go, well, Hey, we're together right now. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, you know, I, I, there's some stuff I really want to process. I go, Great. Well, let's process it right now. Right. And I'm like, listen, if all I did was just set up meetings with people who thought they needed to, to say something to me or process some things with me, that's, I wouldn't be effective at all the other things I need to do. Right. So I do try and make myself available and, and just stand there until no one wants to talk to me. And I can say all the time, Hey, I'll be there Sunday. Come talk to me. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. three different times I'm preaching and I got 45 minutes to an hour between messages. Let's go. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I try and make myself available in that way. Um, but so, yeah, John, I think so. Yeah. Um, one of the things I'll do more with the criticism of ministry, I'll, I'll just um, say to them, um, hey, here's some resources for you to go wrestle with. If you want to understand why we have that position, go take a look at these. If you have questions after that, let's do it. I can remember one time uh, I was with John Walford, who um, is one of the great experts in eschatology. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Walford wrote a several hundred page book on the rapture, which some people might be critical of the idea that there is a rapture, but he had, he had spent lots of time writing in this topic. And there was a guy that literally took him on. It was at a, um, he was speaking somewhere. I have to be there with him. And he just said, well, I don't much agree uh, with the idea of a rapture. And then John just said to him, Hey, have you read my position? And do you understand it? Because I've put 300 pages out there for you to look at why I believe this. And so I'm not going to get an argument with you right here. Okay. So I I understand you have a different conviction, but until you make an effort in this environment to know what we believe and why we believe, this isn't the forum to show how smart you are about your different ideas. And so as leaders, what we try and do is put information out there. You want to know why we have these convictions about um, uh, the things that we do? Here's some places that you can go and do your work. Mm. After you do that, if you see an inconsistency with scripture, then we'll then we'll listen because we want to be um, aligned with God's word. There is no watermark way. You want to you want to get me engaged? Say, well, that's just the way watermark does it. I go, I don't want there just to be a way watermark right, does it. Right. I want us, you know, to do what the way is, the God's word is. And there's still some, you know, room in there, gray areas and, and whatnot. And so we'll talk about why we make gray area choices, but there's no watermark way. There there's the way, the truth, and the life, and we're trying to align ourselves with it. I love it. Uh, Todd, to younger leaders, has this gotten easier to you uh, over time? Is this a muscle that has grown and developed? You know, I will tell you this. Um, I really believe, I think it was Tozier who said that God can't use a man greatly till he's hurt him deeply. Mm. And mm. 
you know, people have said to me at different times, you know, you haven't been hurt enough. And I, I, I really, um, especially when I was younger, right, Todd, we don't know if you're ready to lead because we don't think you've suffered enough or you haven't been tested enough or you haven't had a real uh, downturn of some kind. And, and I, I, they're wrong. I can remember, and it was really interesting. It might seem crazy. I can remember, I happened to be, for me, I was 13. I was in seventh grade. And I was about as popular as a kid as you could find. I mean, I had tons of friends, was kind of at the center of the pack. And, um, you know, everything was going well and good. And um, But puberty was kicking in for a lot of the guys, or had kicked in. And I was still about four or five years away from it. <laughs> and, and so, uh, you know, what, there started to be a little division right. in terms of how hard I had to work. But I still had this mindset that I wanted to compete, you know, in the athletic world and, and you know, did for a while. But I, I, I would say I thought the time athletes didn't do certain things. At the same time, this is seventh grade in my little world in, uh, in St. Louis where I grew up, uh, guys started smoking weed and then other things were introduced. And I was just like, hey, I mean, you know, if that's what you guys are going to do, fine. I'm not just because I thought we were athletes. Yeah. And the best I understood, athletes didn't do that. And I went, those guys just felt convicted. I wasn't even a believer. Mm. They felt convicted by my not doing it and they and they just started cutting me out. Right. And so I was no longer, I mean, I'm like, I'm talking like overnight. Yeah. I went, I had no friends. I had, um, I, I was not invited to the parties. I was not uh, in that little group of girls that did stuff with the guys that did stuff. Um, the guys I competed with in sports were all doing that stuff. And I mean, they they were cruel in the way that they would say, hey, man, we're going to the lake this weekend, Todd. Oh, wait a minute. I, my mom said I could bring six. And man, when, oh, you, you'd be number seven. Mm. And so they wanted me to know what they were doing. And they wanted to let me know I wasn't doing it. Yeah. And I say all that because in the midst of that, what God started to do, and this is just the Lord, this wasn't me is he just started to build into me. Like I, I thought to those guys, hey, you're my friends. I thought we were friends. And now you're telling me I'm not your friends unless I do what you want me to do. That's mm-hmm. and, I, and there was something about me, and this is totally of the Lord that God gave me that was like, hey, people that tell you got to do things to be their friends, that, that's not what a friend is. Right. And I somehow, I'll call it grace, innately knew that. And I think about that time, God started to woo me. I was not in any kind of biblical environment, not a church environment. In fact, the church I was around, I was disgusted by, you know, that my parents would go to. It had no effect on our family's lives. And at the same time, in a way that, I mean, I would mow lawns and make five bucks. And when I would get a little discretionary cash, there was a little Christian bookstore that I I went to and thought, if there is a God, you know, he'll love me for who I am. Right. I better figure out who he is. I would buy devotionals. Mm. I, would, I can remember a devotional called Cool. It had a polar bear in the front of it. <laughs> and I hid it under my pillow like a playboy. Like, I don't want anybody to see I'm reading this thing. And um, and I was just learning about this God. And I think what he started to whisper in that lonely years, I'm talking seventh, eighth, ninth grade, especially. Yeah. There was a little turn at the end of my freshman year because some guys that were believers that were older than me reached out to me, invited me to young life. That began my journey towards faith right. because they love me. Not because I believed in their Jesus. They just love me in his name. It changed me. But I want to tell you something that happened 13, 14, 15, 16. First of all, I became an expert on every episode of The Love Boat and Fantasy Island. Which is very valuable. It's valuable. <laughs> yes. And then secondly, um, God showed me he was enough. Mm. Even before I knew him, he just had me. Mm. And I, I will tell you that that, as much as anything, has contributed to my ability to serve him 
I love it. The way, I, I mean, he was just like, hey, am I enough? Yeah. And I go, well, if you're God, you better be. Otherwise, yeah. I got to figure out, I better start smoking weed and, yeah. and doing every bit of partying I can mm. because what is there to live for? You know, this makes me think of your uh, some statements that you've made about how the rich are better off than the poor, Yeah, right? Because the rich uh, know and understand by experience that money does not buy happiness and it doesn't fulfill your life. And so in that way, they are better off than the poor because the poor keep thinking that if they get money, that everything's going to be different and the rich know better. In some ways, um, I, I would say that like in our culture, the professional athletes or some of the celebrities, they are infinitely better off than than people who are not well-known because they understand that the accolades of man mm. and the attaboys and the pats on the back and the criticism and all of that, like it never satisfies. It's always going to be there. It's just this constant. And the only way to... Uh, to remain emotionally and spiritually sane in in that world where maybe there's some exposure is to uh, have your beliefs anchored in something that is much, much bigger than than people. You you better know who you are and um, believe. I'll I'll tell you another couple of verses, you know, um, first Peter two, 21 through 23. I have quoted it myself incessantly. Yeah. Christ suffered for you, leaving an example that you should follow in his steps. So it's one of two places where it specifically says Christ is an example. We know everything he does is an example, but it's one of two places where it specifically says this is an example, right? Mm-hmm. One is in first Peter two, the other one's in John 13. And so if you put them together, the suffering servant. Yeah. So if you think it's going to always be up and to the right and you're going to mm-hmm. be the person of the year and praise continually, you're just not paying attention. Yeah. But then it says, um, that, that Christ, uh, when, when he suffered, he did not utter threats. No, he committed no sin. There was any deceit found in his mouth. When he suffered, he did not utter threats. All right. When reviled, he did not revile in return, but he kept entrusting himself to the one who judges rightly. Mm. And so the question is, will you do that? Right. I think that's what the Lord looks for. Um, is he going to trust in my opinion, right? Because Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man brings a snare. But he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted, right? So yeah. there's a day, right, that Jesus, um, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But that's not now. I mean, right now, there's a lot of people that hate him. There were people that nailed him to a cross. You know, um, back to Hendricks real quick. He, used to, he said this to me, and I I, you know, I remember him saying it this way. He might have been more sanctified than this. But he said, Todd, he goes, uh, the higher a monkey climbs up a tree, uh, the more people can see it. <laughs> You know, and uh, and so he just said, "Look, bro, you're 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 human, and there's going to be things when you get a little bit higher. More people are going to see and yes. watch you, and they're not always going to have the best angle, yes. because not every part of you is great. Yes, and so if you don't like people seeing you, you know, then uh, you know you might want to not climb up a tree. So first of all, leaders who want to climb trees are not great leaders. But if you, right, a man." who's gifted in what he does will not stand before obscure man. He'll stand before Kings. It's what leaders eventually do. And so people are going to have opinions. And if that bothers you, that people are going to see a little bit of your unsanctified, imperfect self, then you might want to get out of the business a little bit, but the fear of man brings a snare. Okay. And so just be careful and you got to learn to serve an audience of one. That's what leaders Mm do. Right. I, uh, I recently, I want to get, you know, um, was, reminded that on the Gallup, you know, Gallup polls, yeah. George Gallup, that on their website, there's a, a little header that says leaders lead differently when they know what Gallup knows. Mm. And I would say, no, they don't. All uh, right. Leaders uh, lead. Politicians might. Yeah. Okay. It's good. It's um, good. Poli- you know, le- but leaders don't follow polls. They change them. They, they bring to bear influence and truth and insight and then strength. 
it's part of the job of a leader to um, define reality and and to find a better way. And frankly, you know, I mean, the old bell curve. There, there's going to be some early adopters. There's going to be a bunch of people that no matter what you do are never going to follow you. Right. And what a leader does is he moves that middle. Yeah. Okay. And but if but just know that at the beginning of what you're doing, or maybe even for a long time, the world's not going to celebrate everything you do. So just don't be surprised. Yeah. At criticism and 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 you know don't be overwhelmed by it. I love it, Adam. What are you thinking? Did you hear all this? Well, I think it's uh, if you don't learn as a leader how to handle criticism, then you're not going to be a leader for long. Yeah, you're not a leader. You're, I mean, you're a puppet. Yeah, it's you're gonna. It's like breathe, breathing or uh, just basic skills that are going to go along that you, just to survive. You're you're going to have to develop this, and so. Uh, you may be sitting there, maybe a young leader that's sitting there going, well, I just want to lead in a way that I don't get criticized. Not going to happen. You're not going to be leading. <laughs> yeah, right? And that's, that is a completely oxymoron. Yeah. You're, right. And so that's like saying, I want to sleep in a way that I don't close my eyes. Yes. I mean, you just, <laughs> yes. it's just not going to happen. Not going to happen. And Impossible. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your personality type is. It doesn't matter what your Enneagram number is. It doesn't matter. And if you're, if you're trying to lead people somewhere that matters, and if you're going after a mission that matters, and especially in the church world, when we're fighting darkness and trying to proclaim the name of Jesus and call people to something, there is going to be criticism. So this is, um, listen, when, when you're watching the end of college football seasons or at the end of uh, basketball seasons or baseball seasons and coaches are being given awards uh, or they're being held up or hoisted off the field, it is so easy to believe that leadership is just fun and everybody's clapping. Right. right. And that path to any sort of success is paved with a lot of criticism and being able to to handle that. Uh, so we've used a metaphor here about kind of criticism before. You want to repeat it? Yeah, and it's it? some of what Todd has alluded to already. I think it is a gift that comes with a return receipt. Hmm. And so if somebody feedback criticism, they are they basically just went to the store, Todd. They they heard your sermon. They went to the store. They bought a shirt. And they they wrapped it up and they gave it to you. Maybe they didn't wrap it up if they're coming at you un, <laughs> anonymously. But if they're trying to be nice and kind and really help, they wrapped it up. And but they included the return receipt at the bottom. And what you get to do is you get to try the shirt on uh, by yourself. You can look at it in the mirror and go, "Do I like this? Does this fit? Does it not fit?" You can widen the circle a little bit and go to your wife, go to your kids, go to your community group, go to the other elders, other staff members. Hey, is this true? And if everybody's looking at that shirt and going, "I just don't, I don't see it. I don't think that works on you," then you return it, and mm-hmm. you don't think you don't think twice about it because you you receive some feedback, some criticism. You got the, sought the counsel of others. Right. Um, and, and you don't have to absorb or John, as you say, metabolize every bit of criticism. Right. And that was a mistake I made early on, um, in this, you know, attempt to get the log out of my own eye and just to be humble and to hear, you know, God's prompting or rebuke in anything. I metabolized a lot of feedback that was just not true. That's a really good point. Maybe as Christians, it's harder for us to right. receive criticism Absolutely. because we think maybe all of it is of the Lord. And that's that's a mistake that I made early on in my leadership journey, especially if any criticism was coming from a boss, because now I'm in Romans 13 and this is my authority. And so every bit of criticism from any authority, I have to metabolize all of it, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's all from the Lord. Well, maybe not so much. Maybe I was, I was metabolizing too much. Maybe yep. I could still go through the process of trying that shirt on and yes, <clears throat> yes, the Lord spoke through the authorities often in my life, 
but not, not, yeah. they didn't bat a hundred percent. I don't want to mix metaphors, but the, the analogy I'll have a lot of times when someone gives me something like that is I'll, I'll thank them mm-hmm. uh, for that and, uh, and tell them, you know, earnestly either dialogue with them uh, or that I will go get feedback and I'll think and pray about it. And so I, I imagine just kind of holding it off to the side. So someone's put this thing up, I, I acknowledge it. I've got it right here. I, I really did hear you, uh, but I'm not going to internalize it just yet. Yeah. And um, so let me, let me think about it. And then if it's true, Hey, you know, John, there's a character issue here. There's a deed of the flesh that's coming out. Then I will metabolize it. I'll, I'll need to repent. I'll need to own it. I'll need to change. Um, but I'm not, especially from someone I don't know, someone who's uh, a critic, uh, someone who is is prone and known just to take shots and uh, to see that as sport, uh, as Todd talked about, um, hasn't been solution oriented, then I'm just going to hold that one a little further off to the side. People who know me really well, uh, who've got had a voice historically and have been right and God has used, I tend to, I tend to take that one a whole lot closer yeah. um, and, and give that a whole lot more uh, credence and consideration quickly uh, than someone who's just from you know the outside who doesn't know me well. So. Yeah. Todd, one of the things I appreciate about um, the way you handle criticism and the way that I have watched it over the years is two things here that I'll think about is uh, you're always looking for opportunities to disciple. I've heard you say over the years, like leadership is relentless. Mm -hmm. There are always leadership opportunities. Mm -hmm. Just have to open your eyes. You're awake. It's a leadership opportunity. (laughs) And so criticism is an opportunity to disciple people, especially Mm -hmm. those that sign the emails or come up and talk to you face to face. So not looking at it as just a pop shot on you, but to go, all right, Lord, here's an opportunity. And it's not an opportunity necessarily to go, well, I'm going to make them think my way, but maybe this is a way to just love somebody and to disciple somebody. So I, I really think you've modeled that well. And I think one of the things too, is it is an opportunity for a leader to show, not tell, mm-hmm. you know, as leaders and especially leaders that teach often, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of opportunities to tell people and to talk and teach that way. But the way you respond to criticism is a way to show people uh, what you believe and how to love people well. And uh, so the opportunities that you and the elders will give me sometimes to, to teach on a, on a weekend, it's, you know, maybe a half dozen times a year. Um, there's a, surprisingly, people don't like everything I have to say. <laughs> and so the email, or, or the way you say it, right? Or the way, it, it, yeah. Everybody is just so, it's interesting. I mean, there's a reason that when you go to your radio dial, there's, there's country and there's pop and there's indie and yes. there's jazz. I mean, people have different ears. Yes. It's all music. Now we might argue about what music amongst that list is good or what, you know, artist is, but, it, but, uh, you know, talking about as a communicator, if you're giving people the word of God and, and bringing that forward, some people just don't like uh, certain kinds of styles of leadership. And if that's going to wear you out, especially if people have been listening to a certain station for a long time. Yes. Right. And, you know, one of the, the things I love about the communicators at Watermark is that we're not all exactly alike. It, it's yes. so healthy for people. It really is. Because I don't want them to learn to love a certain style of music. I want them to learn the lyric of truth. Yes. All right. You know, the melody of fellowship with God and not just in the, the, the only way they want to hear it. I don't want them also to love an artist. Yeah. I want them to love God. And so that's one of the reasons we do um, have guys that, that you know, collectively share as much of the opportunity to communicate God's word as we mean. And there's a bunch of different artists here. Yeah. All of them faithful to truth. But um, yeah, I, I just, I agree, Adam. You know, you're, people are going to sometimes be critical of what you say and who you are when you say it and the way you say it because they're not used to hearing it from you. And that's just and part of it. One of the very first times, I mean, a, a, a gentleman that you could just tell when they were waiting to talk, there was a look on their face where you're going, this one's not going to go well. Okay. <laughs> like he's, he's not coming up to pat me on the back. He might, he might be coming up to punch me in the face. He let out all of his wrath and venom. Mm. Um, 
And I was surprised at how I was like, I know exactly what to do right now. Mm. And it was so counterintuitive to what I wanted to do, yeah. you know, or what I would have reflexively done as 22 year old Adam. And, yeah. and it was, it was the model. And I'm looking at you too, John, it was the modeling that I'd seen mm. that you men at when people were critical, it was, you talk different, you know, you listen, you say, thank you, John. Like you're setting it out there. I hear you. You're repeating back. Just people just want to, a lot I'm of times sure just want to know that yeah. you heard well, what you're doing. We, we already talked about when you give criticism or not give criticism, but even instruction, right? That the words of the wise make knowledge acceptable. Yeah. Here's the thing. When wise receive criticism and what you're talking about right here is Proverbs 15, one is the verse before that, yes. right? A gentle answer turns away wrath. That's the show part. Yeah. Right. Um, you can't like just in my marriage, Right when my wife is being critical of me in our marriage, the way to pursue oneness with my wife is not to tell her why her criticism is wrong or why I could be even more critical of her. Right? We can't have when someone's coming at you, coming at you with what you said. You watched in their face that crazy criticism. Mm -hmm. You can't both be crazy at the same time and have things get better. That's really good, you know. <laughs> and so you just got to go. All right, what I got to do right now? This person's on the edge of their flesh. Their toes are leaning forward, and their eyes and their their tone is a little crazy. Yeah, there still might be truth there. Yeah, but where they're at is crazy. If you respond with crazy, it's not going to go well. That's right. But That's if good. you just if you if you do exactly what you just modeled, even that you just yeah. just take it down. Just say, hey, man, thank you. It sounds like I could have served you better. Well, you're right. You could have served me better. Yeah. Right. And say, hey, again, thank you so much. And what usually happens, and not always, okay, Yeah. but what usually happens is, is even if that person doesn't see what they need to see, all the other people around go, right. wow. Yeah. Right. I don't know if that guy had any insight for him, but I can tell you which guy I want to follow. So can I tell the story here? And we may cut this one out, but uh, one of the last <laughs> times I taught, um, so this, this, uh, this woman came up and um, and she just looked at me and she just was really critical of my teaching and how different it was than Pastor Todd's. Have I told you this story? No, no. Okay. So this was so, so funny intrigued. to me. So it was, here's what Pastor Todd does. He does this, he does this, he does this. And that's why this church is so healthy because of what a Pastor Todd did. And you don't do that, right? You do this and this and this. And I had some burden bearers. Did you know it was my wife? <laughs> I thought her hair looked different, but, uh, and so then, uh, there were a couple, uh, of the burden bear that were there with me and they, they were being sweet and trying to defend. Yeah. But I, but I did hear Adam open up God's word and I did hear him oh, uh, preach the gospel. And, uh, and so then one of the burden bearers just was trying to, to wind the conversation down. It had been about 10 minutes and she had just been talking about how different I was than pastor Todd. And, uh, and so the burden bearer said, well, can we pray? And so uh, she prayed and then the woman was like, I want to pray too. And we said, great. Uh, and she just thanked God for how amazing Pastor Todd was. <laughs> the whole time. And Goodness. I was like, I love I'm so this. sorry. This is so amazing. Oh, and she was so clear. I'm not Pastor Todd. And she praised God for Pastor Todd right there in front uh, of me. And it was, uh, and it was, it was, it, 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 you know what? Uh, but to your point, again, how you guys had modeled all this, yeah. she had some really, there were some things in there that was like, good. okay, I need that's to, I, that's good. Go. That's good to hear that. And then, uh, and then it was also kind of fun. You know, and I, I, this, this is obvious, but generally people that come up to you and give you criticism, uh, they didn't just get a raise. Their wife didn't just tell them they're awesome. Their children didn't tell them, you know, we are blessed to have you as a father. Their, their friend said, you're the best friend I've, I've ever had, you know, and they, uh, they just got a, a new PR, you know, in the right. weight room. That's not generally the person that will come up and, and, and bring criticisms. Doesn't mean it's not true, but that's generally not the place in which uh, criticism is delivered. And it, it has really helped me to try to see people with kind of the compassion and um, the value that God sees them. You know, I think about, you know, Jesus looking over Jerusalem and he's just like, he's weeping. These are the 
the people, if anybody's ever been critical, yes. uh, these people have, and yet he had compassion um, on them. And so when I see, when I see someone as uh, God's child, someone that God is absolutely crazy about and probably has something going on in their life that's just uh, less than and is yeah. really, really hurtful. It, it allows me, you know, it's not pity, uh, but just compassion, yeah. and it, which doesn't, it's again, an opportunity. It doesn't, yeah. And it doesn't shield me from anything that they're, they're saying that they may still be, they, all that may be true and what they say may be uh, correct, but it keeps me from having to respond emotionally yeah. uh, to them. Getting angry, mm-hmm. getting defensive. I was like, I mean, God's crazy about this person that's right here in front of you. And if you saw him as God did, you wouldn't get angry. And so you can enter, enter in that. That's really, really helped me. So let me dive back in with a couple of ideas here because I, I, I really want to talk about the other side of criticism, which is, I think, just as poisonous to a leader, which is flattery. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. Um, Good. And, and um, John, just to wrap up your point right there is um, sometimes when people speak, they're not going to do it well. Like, you know, it says in Proverbs uh, 12, it says in verse 18, there's one who speaks rashly like the thrusts of a sword. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And and sometimes people are going to just come up and it's going to be just thrown at you like that. And and my job is like hurt people usually hurt people. Yeah. This is your point, it's right? It. This is usually not folks that are on the top of the world and feeling great about themselves. Right. And the way they're going to feel better about themselves is by hurting you. Yes. And so you want to bring healing to them while you then a little bit later to use the metaphor you brought up earlier, Adam, decide if you're going to return the shirt. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then the truth that was there, but you know, when the, the kind of thing that's most difficult is, um, you know, is when the criticism you're receiving is just a character assassination, a lie that's being, um, embraced and, and, and perpetrated throughout the world. So that the old statement that a lie, you know, runs around the world while truth is still getting its shoes on. Mm. And, and that's why one of the things you want to do is study men in the scriptures that handled not just criticism, but lies well. Mm-hmm. Okay, Joseph ought to be a hero of a leader. There we go. Right? Because, listen, I mean, that guy, you know, was put in that seductive moment like that, you know, every, you know, this beautiful, you imagine, wife of Potiphar is hidden on him in a chamber and he can get away with it. And, I mean, that brother is the model of purity and dignity and strength and gets assassinated for it. Mm. Like, hey, you did this and thrown in jail for it and whispers all throughout the kingdom, hey, the Hebrew slave. And he's just like the rest of them. Look what he did when that one didn't. And that's where you just got to run to that verse I quoted earlier in First Peter 2, mm. right? Mm. You just got to go, okay, Lord, I'm going to keep entrusting myself to the one who judges rightly. And, um, you know, Proverbs 12, 19 says, truthful lips will be established forever, but a lying tongue is only for a moment. Okay? And so you just got to remember that, uh, that moment might be your entire life. Not every Joseph gets out of jail, and I, you know, it's good. And it's good. I, I, and so, just remember, yeah. you might be in that jail, and and there's going to be a day. The moment is a momentary light affliction, yeah. which might be the next forty years. It might be history books, but I want to tell you what those history books are going to turn to ash, and you just got to decide if there is a God and if He judges rightly, and if it's true, repent. Acknowledge everything you did um, that makes that criticism have teeth. But if it's just not true, then you just wait to stand before your king. Right. And if you're not convinced there's a king, you're going to panic. Yeah. You're going to panic. I, I told my kids, look, what, what you just need to know about is that people are going to say things about your dad. I'm going to tell you the truth. Okay. And um, I'm not going to manage information. But that doesn't mean that the information you're going to receive about your dad is always going to be kind and you can't convince everybody. 
Um, but if you ever hear that I did something, all right, you can ask me. I'm going to look you in the eye and I'm going to ask your forgiveness and say we got to rebuild our lives, or I'm going to tell you it's not true. Yeah. And um, and so I think a leader needs to be convinced of that. And if you and your family are not okay with that, you're not. You're just not going to be in it for long. So we 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 said this recently, right? And in, in an incredibly maybe I don't know trite way, in a way that seems almost comically simple. I said that a leader whose kryptonite is criticism will not be a super leader. Yeah. Okay. Which I don't know if that that's not even pithy. It's just, it's amazing. It's like a dad pun. (laughs) No, it's, you got a lot of great feedback from the superhero fans and <laughs> the, the Marvel people. The yeah, so there, were, there were twelve in. people at our church that love that when you said that. So, so. but it, I mean, I, I mean, it's it was a way for me just to you know, kryptonite. Yeah. You know, who doesn't want to be this superhero leader? And I will tell you, if your kryptonite is criticism, you won't lead for long. But the other side of that, this is the piece I wanted to get to, is that a, a leader who loves praise is not worth praising mm-hmm. yeah. because if you are constantly needing the affirmation of men, men will use two things, all right? They'll use two things to control you and make you a puppet leader, okay? They will use criticism, and if they know that that's your weakness, they'll criticize you into following them, or they'll use praise. Mm. And they'll say, man, we think you're amazing because you do this. And as long as basically what they're saying, you do this, you're amazing. And the second you stop being amazing like this, and we know that you love the praise we're giving you, you're not going to be amazing. So keep doing this so we can keep praising you. And you won't be a praiseworthy leader at that point. That's right. You are a pawn. It's a, it's the opposite side of criticism, but the, the goal is still the same. I want to control you. I was just with somebody, and I walk out of a meeting. Guys go, what do you think? And I just go, that's a flatterer. Okay? And when that person says, this man's chosen of God, you're anointed. All right? What they're saying is, hey, I mean, who doesn't like to be told they're anointed and chosen of God? <laughs> yeah. Right? What they're saying is, I like what you're doing. And you keep doing that. But if you don't do that, then you're not anointed, you're not chosen of God. Mm. And I want to tell you, anointed, chosen of God leaders, your job is to lead and not to have the people think that what you're doing is what they would do. That's how you are um, faithful to God Mm. that appointed you to be a leader. Leaders don't follow polls. They change them. Wow. That was really, really good, Todd. Uh, I don't think I've ever made this request of of, of listeners. I would listen to this one again. Yeah. Um, some of those statements, I would write them down. I would uh, make sure that you believe them. I would um, and internalize them. I would share them. I would ask, where are you on that spectrum? Um, you know, are you, are you uh, prone to, to follow flattery or do you, um, you know, do you uh, avoid criticism? Where just, do some really good soul searching. And I, w- I would listen to this one again uh, because this is the one constant uh, of leadership is criticism and how you handle it is an amazing opportunity. So Todd, brother, thank you for modeling yeah, uh, I think this the, for me. I, I, I just want to throw this last thing. I, I mean, you, you were landing the thing beautifully. So sorry. Can I just say something? One uh, of the I'll things, criticize you after, okay. but go ahead. Um, all I would just say is I know, right? First of all, there's two things I know. Number one, Jesus, who never made a mistake, receive criticism. So why would I be surprised that I'm going to receive criticism? Secondly, I'm not Jesus. Mm. And so sometimes unlike him, I deserve it. Okay. (laughs) And so I just, I just kind of go, it's going to come. And sometimes I'm going to need it. And what will make or break you as a leader is understanding to use your metaphor, what shirts to keep, yes. put on, and dress better with because that criticism makes you a better man yep. or what ones you need to return. Just remember, Jesus got criticized and you ain't Jesus. There you go. Todd, we love having you in studio. Thanks so much for joining us. 
Guys, thanks. That was excellent. Um, Adam, any closing thoughts? Yeah, you know, I this year I have been uh, just reading through Scripture, just trying to go cover to cover, and I'm uh, in numbers right now. It's early in the year. That's where I am. And one of the things I've been challenging myself to do after I read, just, I don't know, four or five, six chapters a day, is I'm just trying to write down one leadership lesson. Yeah, and it's that. been really love fun to, to try to come up with that. So literally today in numbers, it was when uh, the Israelites started their grumbling. And my observation from this was, uh, like in all relationships, leadership also has a honeymoon period. That's right. That's right. And sooner or later criticism is going to start. Grumbling is going to start. And so for leaders, we have just got to remember it's not an if people criticize, it is when. And as leaders, we've got to be ready. And so download that PDF, go over those scriptures, slow down, have conversations, think about this and be ready because it's it's coming and uh, and it can't be avoided. If you have any questions or comments on today's episode or topics you'd like for us to consider for future episodes, please feel free to contact us via email. We can be reached at clp at watermark.org. If you like what you heard today, please rate and review the show. That helps people find us. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time.